Today is day one of our 21 days of fasting and prayer. And I love this time of year, everybody, for a lot of reasons, but I wanna invite everyone in our church to commit to some level of fasting with us as we start the year off right. This is the ultimate putting God first kind of moment for us as a church. And I'm inviting everyone to commit to some level of fasting during these 21 days. Please don't let these three weeks go by without participating in our time of fasting. But let me tell you, fasting is, is not just about abstaining from food or drink, it's about prayer. And if you fast without praying, you're simply going hungry. And so more than fasting, I'm inviting you to expand and grow your prayer life. And we're gonna talk about that in this first series of the year. We're doing a series with my pastor, Pastor Chris Hodges out of Church of the Highlands in Birmingham and a bunch of different churches in the country called Pray First. And today, uh, I, I wanna talk to you about fasting, invite you into fasting. Today is day one of my fast, and we're, we're inviting you all. And let me give you a couple ideas of how to fast. Some of you have never done this before, and I wanna just show you a couple different ways to fast. The first fast is a complete fast. That is, I'm not gonna eat or drink anything except water. You gotta have water. Come on, don't die on me. Um, have some juice, maybe some Gatorade and a little coffee. Keep your head going and your, your caffeine spinning you know, if you need that. This is the type of fast I always do because if I do another type of fast, I will gorge myself. Like if I do a fruit and vegetable only fast, I'm eating apple pie, chips and salsa all day, every day. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not eating meat and sugar. You know, I've got to be. I just know myself, right? For me, a complete fast is the way to do it. So at night, I'll drink some chicken broth. Uh, or, and have some crackers or bread or whatever. But otherwise, it's a complete fast. You drink water, light juices, and, and you have to use wisdom with a complete fast for three weeks. It is possible you won't die, I promise. I fasted 21 days, and I've done complete fasts probably 18 out of 22 years in a row, and I haven't died, clearly. Um, but listen, if you have any history of eating disorders, if you have medical needs, this may not be the right fast for you, and I wanna caution you against it. Either way, you need to talk to your doctor as well. The second type of fast you can do is a selective fast. And this is where you're basically selecting types of things you're gonna give up, right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up uh, sweets or meat or dairy or caffeine for the next 21 days. A great fast to follow if you're gonna do a selective fast is the Daniel fast. You can Google that. It's built out of the book of Daniel where he ate fruits and vegetables, nuts and grains for 21 days, actually for a season, and then that has turned into a 21-day uh, example. But the idea of a selective fast is you remove things you enjoy. So don't go fasting cucumbers talking about I'm suffering. You know what I'm saying? I'm fasting squash and zucchini for three weeks. Man, God, oh, he is impressed with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm fasting walnuts because I have a walnut allergy. Don't, no, no, no. A selective fast is removing things you enjoy, but then keeping certain foods. And then a partial fast is where you, a particle fast, that's too, we're gonna fast all particles. Sorry, that's my bad. That's a typo on my, that's my fault. A partial fast is, uh, <laughs> it's where you, you partially fast portions of the day. So many of us as adults, we're actually used to not eating breakfast and that's actually not a healthy lifestyle. They're fixing this right now. Um, but a partial fast is where you say, I'm not gonna eat breakfast or lunch, but I'm gonna eat dinner. Or I'm only gonna eat uh, one, I'm just gonna eat lunch. And, and uh, be careful with that as well. Again, this fasting is not dieting. You're gonna regain whatever you lose during a fast. And this is not a way to get your body back into a, a shape. I know January is always a time for gym memberships and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's great. But fasting is about prayer. 
And the focus of, of fasting is to dedicate your, body, your time to prayer. And here's what, I, here's what I want you to understand about the power of fasting. Fasting does not impress God, okay? God doesn't watch you fast and go, oh my goodness, you didn't eat for three weeks? Let me do whatever you need. We don't manipulate God through spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines manipulate you into submission. And here's what I want you to understand about fasting. If you can say no to eating for three weeks, you can say no to anything that is corrupting your life. Some people say, I can't overcome my temptations or my addictions, or I can't overcome my predispositions to certain things. Fasting helps train you to bring your body under submission to God. And you're willfully doing it. It's a choice to fast and say no, no, no to certain things. And it's training you to say yes to righteousness, yes to prayer, and training you to say no to anything else. Here's the thing, food, the reason fasting is so powerful, you, you have to have food. But when you say no and you deny that and you starve your, your, your faculties in that way, you're training your body, number one, to dedicate to prayer. Every time you feel those hunger pains, pains you go, God, I'm, I'm doing this for you. I'm praying. I'm increasing my prayer time. And I'll tell you, this is really interesting. And it's, it's totally just a spiritual thing. I can't explain it any other way. When you pray while fasting, your prayers become more alive and your hunger pains don't feel quite as bad when you're in prayer. It, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, but, but the purpose of fasting is to, to join in prayer. And we're doing this at the beginning of the year because we want to get this year set right. We want to put God first. In fact, I'm teaching on this today in my message. Um, so I want to invite you to fast. Everybody do some type of fast, a particle fast, a selective fast. <laughs> thank you guys. Can we thank our production team for that quick edit? A complete fast, selective fast or partial fast. And listen, you want to feel the fast. You want to know that you're not, you're saying no to something. And, and by the way, this is also a great time for you to reevaluate your digital life, your social media life, your um, binge watching life, you know, to, to say no to food, but then yes to like 14 series on Netflix. Um, this is a great time for you to reevaluate all of those things, but fasting is about your mouth and food and drink. And so, hey, and as we have for the last uh, few years, we've partnered our fasting, our 21 days of fasting with our compassion partner, our great partner we love, Convoy of Hope, to help provide clean drinking water around the world. And, and we do this through uh, it has been through providing filters for families around the world. And those filters, 25 bucks, will provide a, up to a million gallons of clean drinking water. But it's actually expanded to now we're putting wells in cities. And here's what we're finding. As we put a well in a village, that becomes the spot of life for the like, surrounding miles. Well, when there's no water for miles and the church owns the well... Man, all of a sudden, you have the brightest light ever to shine for the gospel. And we're literally seeing people by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds coming to faith in Jesus because the church decided we're going to provide water and you can come with no strings attached and we want to teach your kids and we want to talk about the gospel with you. And so we're doing a lot more than just the water filters, but we're asking everyone as you fast, here's the, here's the connection, whatever you give up by fasting. So if you're giving up food, drink, whatever, save the money you would have spent on that and donated at the end of this month towards clean drinking water. Last year we gave $185,000, $200,000 or something like that. And I just think we can grow that every single year. But if every family in our, in our church, if every member of our church would give 25 bucks at least towards one water filter, uh, we can make a huge difference. We have these little cards available for you as you leave today. And these are, uh, it's got a QR code on the back with more information about our Convoy of Hope partnership. And uh, thank you again for being a generous church and for participating 
in our season of fasting. Anybody excited about our time of fasting together? Anybody? Come on. This is about putting the Lord first here. I'm very excited about it. That being said, I'm titling the message today, Building a God First Year. And I want to talk to you today about how to build a year that says God first in every area of your life. Now, I'm going to talk about how to do this as a church, as it pertains to participating in our church. And I've, I've taught on this kind of stuff as a New Year's message for about 25 years of ministry or 22 years of ministry. But I, I want to challenge you to build a God first kind of year. How many of you would say, there are areas in my life that I wish God were more present? Okay, that was a quick reaction. How many of you would say, there are areas in my life that I know I need to let God be first? Yeah, that's right. Relationships, uh, forgiveness, sin. We need to put God first in some areas of our sin, right? In, in all areas of our sin, we need to let the, God have, let the Lord have his way in that. But I, I wanna talk to you about building that and where does that concept come from? Pastor Chris uh, is, is starting with a similar message based on the same opening verse in Genesis chapter one. And this is really a standard for God's people. It's a simple yet consistent concept we see all over the Bible. And it is the standard for God's people and it comes right from the very first verse of your Bible. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. Now, I just want you to look at this passage for a second. In the beginning, God. That was before anything else was, God was. Before anything else took place, before anything else got attention, before anything else got priority, before anything was made, before anything was functioning, before it all was God. And I just wanna posit the question to you, what if we decided this year we just invited God back to the beginning of everything once again? What if we decided this would be the year that we decide I'm gonna have a God first year in the beginning of my relationships? That is in the first seat of, of authority, in the first seat of influence is God. What if in the beginning of my spiritual habits was God? In the beginning of my financial practices is God. In the beginning of how I run my business, how about in the beginning of my week, I'm gonna go to church because I'm gonna put God at the beginning of my week. In the beginning of my year, I'm gonna fast for 21 days because I'm putting God in the beginning. Are you hearing what I'm saying, everybody? All of us agree that there are places in our lives where we need more of God. So let's put God in the first position again. Let's decide I'm gonna put God in the beginning once again. So just evaluate your life right now. Think about your relationships, is God in that? And better question, is God first in that? Hey, let's go to work in your brain, right? Some of us, man, that is like the most joy-filled place, and for some of us, it's the most chaotic place. Is God the first in how you do your job, how you show up on time to your job, in how you treat coworkers? Is God in first position there? Let's go to your house with your parenting and your, your spousing and your husbanding and your wifing, is God first? Hey, let's go to our devices. Is God first? Is God in the beginning? When we open that device, do we say, Lord, have your way here, right? They say some of the ways to evaluate what really matters to a person is to evaluate their calendar and their wallet and the way they spend their time, the way they spend their money, right? This is not my idea. This is not Pastor Chris's idea. This is God's idea, and it has been forever. The heart of God for everyone has always been that he sit in the first place. 
If you study your Bible, you'll see this as a common theme of those who have relationship with God. Go all the way back to Genesis, but let's, let's skip ahead in Exodus to the 10 commandments. The very first commandment is not what you can't do, but it's who should be first. God said, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And by the way, all of you who are saved, you were once in bondage to slavery, right? The slavery of sin. So let, let Egypt be your life of sin. And he said, I'm the God who brought you out of bondage and slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. First commandment, I'm first. That's what God says. By the way, let me just teach on this for a second. There is in fact no other God, just so we're clear. I, I remember as a young Christian, I would read these Old Testament sayings and, and a lot of passages in the Old Testament will talk about no other gods before Jehovah, no other gods before Yahweh, no other gods before the Lord. And I'm going, what other gods is God talking about? But upon closer inspection, there are no other gods. There is no other God. There's only the Lord, and the only way to him is through faith in Jesus Christ. Can we get that clear, everybody? There is only God. And the only way to God is through, the, is through Jesus Christ, faith in him, and a life with the Holy Spirit. Notice the writer gives us this lowercase g, not a capital G, because there is no other God, in fact. You would think God would know that. What he's saying is no one competes with me but a lot of things will compete with you coming to me. That's lowercase g. Idols, deities, obsessions, perspectives. The lowercase g, God is saying, nothing should come before me in your life. Idols like the love of money. Idols like unforgiveness. Idols like sin. Idols like nationalism. Pride, identity, culture. Idols like sports. Idols. No, listen, I want to read what I wrote. There's not a problem with loving things, but it's when you love things before God. It's the recurring principle of God first. We want to build a God first life this year. It's all over the Bible. In Genesis chapter two, the sin of the world, the fall of mankind, was because we decided to put something else before him. The very root of our sin nature is because we decided something else comes before him. In Genesis four, God was more pleased with Abel's offering than Cain's offering because Abel's offering was a God first offering where Cain's was a God later offering. Some of us treat God that way in our giving. We go, God, if I have any left, I'll give it to you. But God says, I wanna be first. In Exodus, God delivers his people from slavery in Egypt and he immediately tells them, put me first in everything. And guess what they struggle to do? Keep him first. Literally while Moses is on the mountain getting the words of God, they're melting down bracelets going, let's create a new God. That's the nature of man, isn't it? Anybody just wanna slap around the people in the Old Testament sometimes? They go, do you not understand what God has done for you? Read the book. We don't have the book yet. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> the judges, the kings, the prophets were calling humanity back to one thing, God first living. And Jesus came preaching the very same thing. At the end of Matthew chapter four, we see that Jesus went about preaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, the reign of God. Here's the thing about a king. He's always first. The good news of Jesus was God first. In Matthew 6, we see in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink or what you'll wear. All these, you know, pagans run after these things. But he says this in, in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom 
of God and seek first his righteousness. So how many of us would say there's some places in my life where God needs to be first? Well, let me give you some church places because this is what we are gonna do together as a church. This is what we're gonna train on this year. This is what we're gonna talk about this year. By the way, a great way to put God first today is to get baptized. Come on, it's Baptism Sunday, everybody. We would love to see you baptized. How, what a great day to be baptized on the first day of the year with a message like God first. Some of you say, well, I was baptized as a little kid. Great. Um, I was baptized like six times as a kid. Every time we went to a new church, they held these little heathens in the water and they were like, get them cleaned up. But then I became a Christian. And have you been baptized as a follower of Jesus? It's not a religious rite of passage. It's a statement that God is first. So on this first day of the new year, consider a few ways to build a God first life. Let's commit to that this year. So let me just give you a few areas. And I've talked about this for a long time. Take good notes, but we gotta start with our devotion. We have to have God first devotion lives. Man, I've never met a Christian who said, I'm exactly where I wanna be in my walk with God. I just haven't met that person yet. And the reason is the more mature you grow as a follower of Christ, you know how much greater he is and how much more you wanna explore in him. The younger you are in faith, you have this, we have this tension of man, I, I, I don't know enough, I'm not close enough to God, I just, I wish I were a better Christian. I've heard that statement forever. So I've never met a follower of Jesus who says, I'm exactly where I wanna be with God. God showed up, sent me an email, said, hey, we're good, let's take a break for a week, like I'm super good with you for a while. I've never heard that. But I've heard tons of believers who said, man, I wish I, wish I were closer to the Lord. I, I need to work on my prayer life. I need to do better with my Bible reading. I wanna get closer to God. So if you wanna have a God-first devotion life, let's just make some commitments. And honestly, Here's the simple step that you need to take today on everything I'm gonna talk about. Are you ready? Look me right in the eye, real me, not screen me. Look at me, you ready? You must decide. If you're gonna have a God first life, you gotta decide to have a God first life. Here's what you gotta know, God's already decided on you. You have to decide on him. That's actually the meaning of repentance, to have a mind shift towards God. If you're struggling with an area of sin in your life, repentance isn't just don't do the bad thing, it's change your mind towards him. So you have to decide. And here's some things I wanna invite you to decide. The first thing is decide to build a devotion life. No one's gonna do it for you. I can't read your Bible for you. I can't pray for you. You have to decide to do it. Romans 10 says it like this. Faith comes from hearing through the word of Christ. You have to decide if you wanna grow as a person of faith, if you wanna grow as a follower of Jesus, start by cracking your Bible and get in the word of God. We have a saying around here and, and we say, read your Bible and do what it says. I wanna nuance that by saying, read your Bible correctly and do what it says. Some people just want a verse to like justify their life or behavior. That is not correct reading of the scripture. Read your Bible correctly, do what the word says. You just, I had a seminary professor who would just say, he goes, look, there's tons of books out there, there's commentaries, there's Christian books, there's all kind of how to do your best life now, whatever. He says, there's no substitute for reading your Bible. And you've gotta decide, I'm gonna be a Bible person this year. Just decide. I mean, we're in this time of building resolutions. Let's make decisions that we're gonna establish some things. It's, it's from reading and studying God's word that we learn all other disciplines. It's how we get to know Jesus better. 
It's through reading and studying his word and spending time in prayer. You're not gonna know the history of the church. You're not gonna understand the disciplines of the believer without spending time in God's word. You have to understand, all of church history is rooted with a love and dependence on God's word. So I wanna invite you to a Bible reading plan. In fact, these are some resources we have available to you. We have our Pray First Guide, newly minted for you guys this last year. And in the back, we have two different go- uh, reading plans. One of the, my favorite, the Gospels in three months. Read all four Gospels in three months, then read it again, read it again, read it again. Like get stuck in the life of Jesus. The next one we have is the whole New Testament in 90 days. Between now and the end of March, you can read the entire New Testament and it's on a plan in the back of this book. This is digitized online for you as well. We're also gonna add some of these online for you this year. I'm gonna do this one right here, but we're gonna have three different year long, let's read the whole Bible this year, reading plans. Most people don't read the Bible that way. Most people go into the Bible for a verse at a time or they're gonna do a deep dive on a passage or they, they read along with the sermons of their, of their pastor. I wanna invite you this year, let's just go through the whole Bible together. Why not? When's the last time you read the whole Bible in one year? Most people never do that. In fact, most Christians statistically don't read their Bible, much less have read it consistently over and over again. So I got a couple good ones. Um, this, is the, this is the like general schedule. There's no days off. It's 365 readings. So all you super spiritual folks can read that one. This one is uh, five days a week. Come on, weekends off. You get a couple cheat days in there. That's what I'm talking about. But you will get through the whole Bible in the year. And this one's the one I'm gonna do. It's the Navigator's Bible Reading Plan. And you get 25 readings a month. So you get five, six cheat days. Hey, praise God. Um, but it's, it's New Testament, Gospel, uh, then somewhere in the New Testament, letters, Proverbs, Psalms, uh, wisdom literature, and then Old Testament. Uh, so you've got four different sections of the Bible you're reading through every single day, 10, 15 minutes a day, and you'll read the whole Bible this year. How many of you would say, I've never read the Bible? I could do that, and I've given you plans for it, right? So let's just commit. If we're gonna have a God first year, we gotta put God's word first. These will be available to you online uh, either today or tomorrow. You can click the link and download those as well, okay, everybody? But we wanna help you this year with a Bible reading plan. We have it on our website. We have the Bible in a year plan on our website. You can get that as well. I wanna invite you to our fast. Jesus actually talks about fasting in Matthew 6. He said, when you fast. He didn't say if you fast. He said, when you fast. You ever talk to somebody with an anticipation like, hey, when you go to the store, would you mind to pick up some milk bread? It's not, hey, if you ever happen into a Walmart in your life. It's when you go, would you, right? And that's the way Jesus talked about fasting, when. This should be a normal part of our lives. This is part of having a God first approach to our year. We'll do it again in August with uh, prayer and optional fasting, but consider fasting throughout the year. And then, of course, with a God first devotion life, make sure you pray. Hey, listen, these are some other disciplines that I think all of us need. Like we need scripture, we need prayer. And I'm gonna teach prayer for the rest of this series how to pray. One of the things that I've learned as a pastor, I think most Christians would say, I wanna pray. We're just not sure what to say. Does anybody else struggle with that? You don't have to admit it, that's fine. Does anybody wanna sit next to somebody who struggles with like what to say? Some of us have have never learned unscripted prayers or we only know how to pray, um, you know, like for needs. But I wanna teach you how to worship in prayer how to honor God and pray, how to see how big. I was praying last week and I just walked through the Lord's Prayer. I'm gonna teach you this next week. I was walking through the Lord's Prayer. It took me about 35 minutes to go through that short prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And man, I started crying in prayer. I was so moved by how big our God is. 
My family, I was in the kitchen, you know, and it was nighttime. My family's walking through. They're like, are you okay? <laughs> yes, I'm just praying. Thank you very much. Spiritual dad, come on, get out of here. <laughs> so I want to teach us prayer this week in this series, fasting. Church attendance is part of God first. It's God first in my week. Worshiping, if you're a journaler, get into journaling. Being in a small group, serving other people, this is part of God first in our devotion. Y'all getting anything so far out of this message, anybody? Let me plug away here uh, in a couple different areas, and this is important for our church, and we model this as a church. In fact, I'm really excited in the middle of February, we usually present our annual report, and uh, that we don't do an annual business meeting you know, with the, the fighting and the votes and all that kind of fun stuff. We do a report where we tell you, uh, you know, how we kept the Lord first and all that God did through our church, through your generosity this year. And so we'll have a finance report for that. But what if every one of us decided that we're gonna have a God-first approach to how we handle finances? And I know some of you might be sitting here going, here, you know, here he goes, I, I've heard this before. The, the question's not if we've heard it before, it's if we're doing it now. Jesus says that this is an area that will constantly, remember the, the first commandment? God said, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, Paul would say the love of money is a major idol for a lot of people. And because of it, it's the root of all kinds of evil and because of it, people have wandered away from the faith. In Matthew 6, Jesus said it like this, where your treasure is is where your heart will be. So all of us need to earn a living, get a job, put some savings away, do smart things with money. And we need money to survive in this world. There's no secret about that. But, but do you treasure the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God and his word more than the treasure you're building. So in my opinion, how we steward money is a direct reflection of our heart towards money and our heart towards God. Jesus would talk about it a lot. In fact, he talked more about money and stuff and, and the, the, the pull of money than he talked about heaven or hell. He talked about money a lot and he was always talking about it in a way that warned people to keep their heart right before God. In Psalm 24, uh, the writer of the Psalm says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the fullness thereof. In other words, Everything we have is on loan from God. Like we're gonna leave this earth with nothing. We came in this world with nothing. We're gonna leave with nothing. Everything we have is ultimately God's. Can I hear an amen? This building is God's. Your vehicle you drove up in today is God's. Everything is on loan to you. So a better way to view what you have is that you're a manager for it. You're a steward. You're, you're someone who is managing the assets and the resources of another. And, and the fact is, the Bible says that it's all God's. So what if this year we said, I'm gonna have a God-first approach to all the stuff God's given me, and here's the key. Here's what I said earlier, and here's where it comes from in 2 Corinthians 9. Each person must give as he has decided. So what if we just decide to give and steward and do resources like God said? What if we just decide, you know what? It's all his, he's the boss, he's my Lord, there's no other God before him, and I'm just deciding to do it his way. Each one must give as he's decided. For my family, we've just decided. Tithing is a non-discussion, it's a non-negotiable. We ain't even talking about that. In fact, we've increased our tithe to an offering threshold that has become our new floor, and we just decided. We just decided. We didn't get manipulated into it. We, I mean, it wasn't a long discussion. We set the floor at a new uh, rate. And I'll just tell you what it is. We said at 20% is our new minimum of what we want to give to God through tithing. So we wanna double tithe to God. We just decided. We decided in our hearts that's what we're gonna do. And then beyond that, as God gives us opportunity, whether it's with a building fund or with clean water projects or with a, a generous tip at a restaurant, whatever it is, we've also decided we're gonna be generous when God gives us opportunity to be. 
We've just decided those things in our heart. Are you hearing what I'm saying, everybody? I don't want anyone to ever come to LifePoint feeling manipulated and coerced about giving, never. If you ever feel manipulated or like emotionally charged and we've got like photos of kids and kid points starving because they don't, don't have enough crackers, you know what I'm saying? Don't give that way. Don't give that way. And if you ever feel manipulated from me or somebody on our team, just rebuke them and say, I feel manipulated by this. I feel arm twisted. We will not do that to you. We're not gonna throw some fake promises at you that if you do this, you know, God promises Maseratis in your, your, your garage. That is, it's not right. Because why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. And here's the thing, when you decide, it's a joy. It's a privilege. When you decide to build a prayer life, when you decide to spend time in your word, it's a privilege, it's a, like, it's a cheerful thing. It's not religious duty. It's a cheerful opportunity. He goes on to say, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you can abound. Here's what he said, make the right decision, God will take care of you. Boy, does that not sound like God first? So I wanna challenge you this year, let's just decide in our hearts how we're gonna steward money, how we're gonna give, how we're gonna spend time with God. Let's just decide this year to have a God first discipline with money. Now I've taught this for years, this is the way my family does it, this is the way I wanna teach you in fact, years ago, we taught our kids this and they still have, we got little mason jars for them. And some of you have seen this before, but some of you are new and you need to learn this. Uh, we bought little mason jars with these labels, uh, three kind of three tiered approach to, to what to do with stuff and money. And honestly, this is a great approach to how to spend your time, how to spend uh, other resources as well. But the first thing we do is pay God. We pay to the Lord and, and, and the tithe, according to the scripture is the first portion. And then we see it evolving in the Old Testament to the first 10th. And there are people that want to debate, well, you don't have to do that anymore. Well, Jesus said you should in Matthew 19. Uh, you can go read it on your own time, but he said, practice tithing and don't be a jerk about it. <laughs> That's Mike's international version. He was basically correcting Pharisees because they were tithing everything exactly, but they were mean to their parents and they were awful humans. And Jesus says, you should do this and don't forget, don't be a jerk. What good is a tither who's a, a total heathen jerk face. Who wants that? You know, you know what I'm saying? Well, at least I tithe. Yeah, but you're, you stink, man. You're just awful. But we teach that tithing is first. And listen, as a church, we tithe corporately. 10% at least. It's the floor. It's a non-negotiable. 10% goes away. That's how we fund missionaries and church plants. That's how we give to uh, places like YAPAC and other organizations that we support faithfully. And then the next thing you should do with your income is, is save. Like pay yourself, pay your future, put some money away. Did you know the average person has no savings, has no emergency fund? And I'm just, here's what the Bible says. In the house of the wise, there's stuff left over, but a foolish person devours everything he has. If you're spending everything, and some of us would say, well, I just don't make enough. Well, listen, your income is a factor, but your outcome, your outgo is also a factor. And this is what you can control. You can't go storming into your boss and saying, I demand a 100% pay raise but you can go to your own budget and demand to chop Netflix and chop some, cell, you know, go from an AT&T cell phone on an iPhone to a Cricket mobile wireless or something. Like you can chop those things down and you can be smart about putting money away. Boy, don't get me on a finance class. I'm about to go off here. This is fun. We love, by the way, we offer a small group here on Ramsey's Principles, Financial Peace University. We give it away to all of you. It's your gift uh, to yourself because you paid for it. So thank you for that. Um, and then learn to live on 80% or less, like pay them. So, so if, you're, if you're bringing in $10,000, uh, 
a thousand goes to the Lord, a thousand goes to your future, and eight thousand goes to all your bills. By the way, this is where income taxes go. Some people say, "Well, I, you know, I pay tithe after tax." No, no, no. I pay God before I pay the government. Hallelujah. This is where income tax fits. This is where mortgage payments fit. This is where all your bills fit. And if that doesn't work, let's do some woodshedding. Let's do some work to chop some things around. We'll help you. We, we love to help families with this. Bible tells us in Leviticus, the tithe is God's. It's holy unto the Lord. Malachi 3 says we're literally taking from God when we disobey him in tithing. It's not that God needs our money. It's what God wants to do with our giving. And let's just decide in our hearts to do it God's way this year. What if this is the year some of us say, man, this is the year I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna learn to tithe. I'm gonna learn to save. I'm gonna learn to get out of debt. Bible says avoid debt that when you borrow, you're a slave to your lender. And, and listen, I'll be honest with you. Many of our financial challenges that some of us face are because we just insist on having our own financial plan instead of a God first financial plan. A God first plan looks like this. I mean, I can show you tons of passages that would just affirm this model. I'm just giving it to you as cleanly as possible. Recently, we heard a story of a young lady in our church. She's a single lady, a teacher, who had been paying off her student loans for I think like 15 years. And her payments, she was making her payment faithfully, but living on a tight income, making her payment faithfully, and her balance was not going down. Anybody know that story? And she said, from being at LifePoint, God really convicted her about tithing. For the first time ever as a Christian, she said, I'm gonna just do it. I'm gonna put God first in tithing and I'm gonna pay 10% of my income to the Lord. And within one month, now listen, I'm not gonna say if you do this, all your dreams will come true. Because I believe what God promises is he'll take care of your needs. But this is just above and beyond, man. God is so good. I love when he shows out. Within a month of her tithing, for the first time ever, she got a letter that said all of her student loan debt had been forgiven. Come on, Jesus. Can we say praise the Lord? And then, and then her school board gave her a 5% pay raise. Let's go, Jesus. There's something about a God first way of doing things. And if you, we, we, we got it as like a praise report on our prayer thing that we pray over every week. And she was just saying, I got to give God some praise because I finally trusted God in tithing and look what the Lord did. Listen, there's something about saying God first in every area. Come on, Jesus. But you've got to decide in your heart to have God first. And then finally, I, I want us to have a God first attitude in serving others. God first attitude in serving others. Many of us have a, a, a real heart for God, but we don't have a God heart for others. Jesus said, I didn't come into this world to be served, but to serve other people. And part of the ethic of a Christian, a Christ follower, a person who says, I belong to Jesus, is we have a heart to serve other people. It's, it's literally and figuratively being a door opener for other people. I mean, honestly, I, I, I love opening doors for people, especially when I'm in the north, you know, where my wife's from, that frozen tundra up there where they, they don't eat grits, you know what I'm saying? It's weird up there. I don't get it. But I, when I'm in public and I go and open the door for somebody and they look at you like, what, what do you want? What? What do I do? You know? Like, I just want to open the door for you. And they don't even know how to say thank you appropriately. Like, oh. <laughs> they just walk away. I like opening automatic doors too. You just wave in front of it and say, please come on in. This is funny. People don't expect it. But I'm talking about all the time and we want to train you in your church so you can live this way all the time. This is an area that really excites me. I just, like I'm talking, grab the cart from somebody when they're unloading their groceries in the parking lot at Walmart. You know what I'm saying? And just say, hey, can I get that cart for you? Don't grab it while the food's still in it. 
or their kids in the front. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me take that cart. No, you're getting tased for that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just serve people. Be a person who's like, serve your coworkers, your boss. Bring donuts one day after the fast to work. Just with no strings attached. Don't even put your name on it. Like from a friend, you know? Um, every year we have hundreds of people. We wanna train this in our church to build a culture in your life. Every year we have hundreds of people that go through our next steps class, join a team and are serving somewhere in our church. In fact, our church would not exist without an amazing dream team of volunteers. Can we give it up for our dream team, everybody? In fact, earlier on my screen when I had a typo, that was my fault, by the way, because I sent the notes. Um, that was a volunteer, I would bet 90% chance, that was a volunteer in our team who got here early, an hour and a half before any of you showed up to get ready to, to run the production monitor backstage. That's a volunteer, somebody who's just decided, I'm gonna serve my church in this way. Camera operators, worship team, kid point rocker, uh, you know, baby rockers, classroom teachers, student ministry, small group leaders. Here's what I believe. I make no apologies for this. I think it's God's will that every Christian be a servant of others. And an easy way to learn to do that is to participate in serving in your local church. As you read the New Testament, Acts 2, you know, we see this great picture of the New Testament that everything in common, their values and beliefs, they were devoted to scripture, fellowship, prayer, sharing life together, selling possessions to take care of one another. It was a community of people who got it. Peter writes it like this in 1 Peter 4. He said, above all things, keep loving one another earnestly because love covers a multitude of sins. Watch this. Show hospitality to one another. That's a servant heart. Look, without grumbling. You ever complain? Well, glad to open the door for you. You know, like what a weird, that's not a church greeter. You know what I'm saying? That, <laughs> morning, we're glad you're here. <laughs> Show hospitality without grumbling. And as each one has received a gift, I want everyone to understand something. You are a gift. You have gifts. Look what he says. As each one's received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied Grace, well, you don't have the gift I have. I don't have the gifts you have. Some people get jealous about the gifts of, in the gift distribution. That's like your elbow being mad at your knee. That's just silly. Like you're a gift to this church and I'm a gift to this church. And, and, and here's what he says. It's varied. Use it as good stewards of God, very, very grace. And then he gives all kinds of serving, speaking and servers and, and those who do other things as one who serves by the strength of God in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ. Listen, God has gifted you and you're a gift to the world and you're a gift to his kingdom and you're a gift to his house. Our church is better because you're in it. And I wanna invite all of you this year, especially, listen, through COVID, we went through this. It was really hard. Through COVID, a lot of people say, well, I'm just gonna take a break from serving. Well, we, we shut down the church for 15 weeks. There was that. And then we had all different new ways. And then some people were like, you know, I'm just gonna wait and pray and find, quit praying about it and just do something. I'm taking a break. Break's over. 2023, we got hundreds of people moving into the neighborhood of this church that we're gonna reach to the glory of Jesus Christ. We're gonna build a new campus on exit one this year, brick and mortar campus on exit one. And we're gonna build teams to go serve those people. You know why? Because thousands of people are moving into that farm that we're building a church on. Thousands of people are gonna be there and we're gonna be there to open door and show up and serve them because lost people need a vibrant church of people with a heart to serve other people. There are folks who work long jobs and, and full-time hours and they find it so fulfilling when they get to come on a Sunday and serve in their gifts and in their purpose. So I wanna invite you, if you've never gone through or if you've taken a break, our next steps class, this is a next step for you. And let's just decide I'm gonna have a God-first attitude. I don't just go to church to consume. 
I'm gonna go to church to serve. I'm gonna go to church to be a blessing to others and have a God-first attitude in how you serve others at work, in your neighborhood, and more. I'm convinced God is inviting us to build a God-first year. Some of us need God first in the area of forgiveness. Some of us need God first in the area of repentance. Some of us need God first in that relationship that we have that we know doesn't honor God. Maybe it's an extramarital relationship. Maybe it's a sinful relationship. You've moved in with somebody before you're married. We need to put God first there. And if we're really honest, some of us say, I don't wanna pay the, the price to put God first. I promise you it's worth it. I promise you it's always worth it to put the Lord first. I believe this can be our best year as a church. Best year in our homes, best year in our families, best year with finance, with calendar, with devotion, best year as a church together. So what if we would really seek God and commit ourselves to have a God first kind of year? To say, Lord, I am yours, use me however you want. Like Pastor Jure saying and led us this morning, if we say, God, I will build my life on you this year. What if, and here's the key to it all, what if we decide I'm gonna have a God first year in devotion, in finances, in how we treat other people and how we serve, in our homes, in work. What if we just decide right now, this is my year, I'm gonna have a God first year. Lord, would you move in our hearts today to have an incredible year with you and for you. We're not trying to prove anything to you. We're not trying to impress you, God. We wanna draw near to you. And I pray that 2023 would be the greatest year of a life devoted to Jesus, of a life committed to the gospel, of a life dedicated to the word of God, to the house of God, to giving generously as you've called us to. God, I pray that you would be first in how we treat others. I pray that you'd be first in our homes, that you would be first in our marriages. God, all of us have agreed, we have room in our lives to put God first. And so today, come on everybody, just open your hands to the Lord. Our prayer team's assembling in the front and we wanna pray for you in just a moment, but everybody pray this with me. Say, God, I decide today to put you first in everything. You're first in my year, first in my week, first in my family, first in my finances, first in my health, first in my sin. Come on, say it for real. God, I'm gonna put you first in this area of sin. I'm gonna put you first, no matter what it costs me. Say, Lord, I decide to put you first. No other gods before you. Say, Lord, I'm all in. Say it again, Jesus, I'm all in. I believe you died for my sin. You gave your life for me so that I can live forever for you give you my life. I'm yours, all in, in every category, you first. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, take a moment to make confession to the Lord. Maybe there's an area of your life that you need to just be honest with God right now. God, we're gonna do what we sang. We're gonna build our lives upon you. We're gonna build our lives with a God-first approach in every part of our lives. Make room for you, God. 
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, church. Amen.